This is the Cascade Hiker Podcast. Find us over at CascadeHikerPodcast.com. I'm a country boy with the soft side. My heart wanders up north to the hillside. Now I've never made anyone quite as beautiful as you. I'm your host, Rudy Gets It. I'm here to inspire you to get out on the trail. You putting in two-mile hikes, five-mile hikes? Are you still on the couch? Come on, let's go on a backpacking trip. I'm going to introduce you to some folks that have done that and a whole lot more. All right, next on the Cascade Hiker Podcast, what's your name and where are you from? My name's David Smart, and I'm from Austin, Texas. Right on, man. Well, hey, I, I got your book, and um, I just want to talk about the name, first of all. It's it's sort of a, mm-hmm. a, a, a cool name for uh, uh, you know the trail community, um, uh, you know, the trail provides. Can you kind of talk about you know, what, what shows you to come up with that name? Yeah, man, that's a good question. Um, for me, it, it actually took a long time to even come up with a name for the book. Um, <sighs> yeah, but I think it just resonated with me heavily. Um, as it does many other hikers that, you know, as I think when one follows their, I guess their path, whatever that means to them, that it seems as if things just happen very serendipitously or, um, yeah, as if they were meant to be. So I think that's why the trail provides, uh, resonated with me and likely many other people. Absolutely. It's, it's, uh, I think it's going to be a cool book for that. That alone will kind of catch people in. And to be honest with you, um, I didn't really read a whole lot of the book. I, I man, for the listeners out there too, I, I've, <laughs> I've never had, I've never read a book on my, any sort of device. I've always read either like an actual book or, um, you know, uh, audio. And so, um, you had, uh, <laughs> you, you turned me on to the digital world and, uh, man, I was struggling. I felt like, uh, I felt like an old man. I was like, Oh man, why can't I figure this out? <laughs> so anyway, I did, I did get through the first chapter and, um, it really drew me in and immediately I had a ton of questions like, Oh man, I really wish I had more time to read more of the book. Um, but you know, mm. let me just start out with some of those questions that just kind of popped right out. Um, well, first let's just kind of set a precedent here. Um, so you got, you hiked the Pacific crest trail and, um, can you talk about when you did that and, and just kind of how long it took that kind of the basics of the trail? Yeah, man. Um, so I did the PCT in 2015, so it was about three years ago now and yeah, it took six months. So (laughs) it was definitely a long period of time to, I guess, get to know myself and learn some lessons along the way that I thought I could relay to others through the book. Absolutely, man. And, and, and And you are. And really that first chapter would be an awesome chapter. And then of course, book for someone to read that, that is just kind of curious, like, what's it going to be like how the prep, the, um, you know, it, it, beginning of the trail, that kind of thing. And, um, and so that's why I think why it stuck out to me, because it just like, mm-hmm. it, it seemed like something that a lot of people should read. And, uh, I, I really, so you, you hiked it with your buddy, um, Brad, right? Yeah, that's correct. Okay. Yeah. So, uh, right off the bat, he, he kind of, he kind of, <laughs> sort of talked you into this and, and he says, 
My dad will be our quartermaster. So ship your food to my parents' house and we'll take care of the logistics. Uh, you know, that to me just is, is, is kind of crazy. Just thinking, all right, man, well, yeah, you're yeah, I'll, no problem. You're in charge. So not really having any idea yourself. Right. Yeah, man. So this was, you know, the first of its kind in regards to any sort of outdoor experiences for me. Like I, I talk about it a little bit in the book, but you know, in the seventh grade, I went on, you know, like a, a week long hiking trip with my classmates, but you know, something that was, it was heavily supervised and very much planned out and very little risk that was being taken at the time. And yeah, it was something like this with my experience hiking the PCT. It was, it was something I'd never done before. Um, so I was very much relying on my friend for, you know, he's the one, Brad is the one who told me about the PCT and really caught me at a, a really cool time in my life where I had no idea what I was doing um, or what, or I guess what to do next with my life that I had just uh, quit my job. Uh, I was working a, a digital marketing job for two or three years and was becoming I guess, increasingly disillusioned with the work that I was doing. And um, I guess just searching for meaning in life and undergoing some sort of existential crisis. Um, so yeah, I started looking for just what's next, what else is out there for me. And at the time I thought I had lined up another job with a friend who worked at a water park <laughs> and uh, quickly after I thought, after I'd quit my job for, for this new water park gig, um, that fell through. And, <laughs> you know, my friend calls me and he says, Hey, don't do anything too crazy just yet. Well, <laughs> I had already made the leap. So at that point, yeah, I was just very, um, I guess desperate is, would be a good word and just open to experience. And so, yeah, with Bradley leading the way, I, I piggybacked on all of his plans, including his, his parents, um, helping us provide resupplies along the way. Yeah, that's funny, man. I, I don't know why, when you were just talking right there, I, I remembered an old interview with uh, Michael Jordan, and they asked him, you know, how do you come up with these things that you do when you're, when you're going in for, you know, a dunk or a land or whatever, you know, you're, you're soaring through the air and you do all these things, and, and he says, man, I just jump, and then I just decide when I'm in the <laughs> air, you know? <laughs> Oh, wow. Yeah, that definitely resonates with me, man. Um, yeah, it seems this has been much of my life the past uh, three years or so. And I think a lot of people um, who have taken risks or what or just changes in their lives that I think they could resonate with that, that I think we're we're just trying to figure it out, man. We we don't have a lot of answers and sometimes it takes just jumping and then twisting to, <laughs> to then attempt to make a shot. 
That's good. Uh, you know, so then you go on right right after that part of the book and, and you start talking about, you know, you kind of, you're like, all right, well, logistics, okay, that's great and all, but what about death? You know, is death a possibility? And I just love how you um, really start mm-hmm. painting the characters, uh, you know, which are, of course, you guys. Uh, but with his answer, he just says, well, death is a guarantee, isn't it? Um, I don't know. Can you kind of talk about that conversation? Was it bigger than that? Was that, you know, but it, it does a great mm. job of, of setting you guys up and, and really understanding how both of you think. Yeah. So this is, I think death is a big topic that um, just isn't talked about a lot in today's society. And um, yeah, it definitely came up for me pretty heavily not knowing anything about hiking a long trail and being in the wilderness, you know, is death a possibility? Um, so for me, you know, this is, this is a top priority wondering if this, if this could happen to us. Whereas, you know, I think it portrays Bradley's character, my friend very well, just his response being that, well, it's guaranteed, but you know, we might as well go for it. (laughs) And yeah, death might not happen to us, you know, on the trail, but, um, you know, I I think for me, it it was about taking the risk and knowing that eventually we, we will die and, um, living our lives to the fullest potential. Um, just knowing that that's a, a certainty. Yeah. Uh, well, you know, as we get into that, cause, cause you didn't, uh, you didn't by any means, uh, say that you were scared. You were just curious about death and that question. But, but that is one question that I do love to ask people because, um, you know, whether it's your fear or someone else's fear, um, a lot of times when, when we're going on big journeys in life or even just a day hike or whatever it may be, uh, other people tend to put their fear on you. And so mm. I always like to kind of ask about that and, you know, just kind of reference the book one more time. Um, you, you said at one point in that first chapter, my parents support meant everything to me. And then uh, I, I believe it's your mom's bears, honey. What about the bears? You know, and, and so that's, you know, <laughs> that's kind of really, uh, you know, I would I would imagine that most people that have ever even been on a day hike have heard that before. Um, you know, so can you talk a little bit about that? Yeah, definitely. I, you know, for those people wanting to to get out into nature and to go on you know it doesn't even have to be six months or to to embark on some crazy journey um it can just be a day or two of camping and you know me growing up i was i'm very much a city boy and the, this was the life that i knew and so i'd been, never really done anything like this and so I think just confronting it just for a day can just really dissipate a lot of those fears that people have. And I think that a lot of them for me were irrational, right? This fear of death that I had going into it. I think (laughs) that, um, yeah, I mean, I guess, I guess it was possible, but where I think, for me, you know, it's, we're, we're just as likely to pass in ordinary city life that, um, both, both have risks that need to be looked at. Um, but yeah, I mean, 
once you get out on the trail, at least in my experience, there's so many people out there and everyone is just so willing to support your journey. And it seems as if there is a, a hiker culture that wants to just give and see people outdoors. So yeah, I think, you know, if, if there is anyone out there wanting to, to get outside, I just, recommend continuing to plan as as much as you'd like and until you feel comfortable but eventually uh, I think a jump has to be taken even if it's just for one night and really allow those fears to dissolve once you're out there I can't talk enough about Waymark Gear Company seriously uh, my daughters still have their packs we gave away a pack on the show and I recently met Mark down at PCT days over the summer and I just want to say on their website, really easy to find, waymarkgearco.com. Check out their two types of packs. You've got the through, the 38 to 42 liter packs, and then the light uh, 50 liter packs. So uh, the throughs are $210 where they start. And then the 50 liter uh, packs, uh, the kind of the Cadillac of the frameless packs, they start at $260. So go over, check it out. There's all kinds of colors to pick from. Uh, this is just a quick little ad here to uh, you know support the show. At least go over there and follow him on Instagram, uh, Waymark Gear Company. And tell him the Cascade Hiker Podcast sent you. So now looking forward into your journey, um, kind of the next step for you, and I would imagine most people once they've decided to do something like this, is to all of a sudden just kind of you know embark on uh, spending money on some gear and things and and, and b- trying to find that right item or, or whatever it may be. And uh, so mm-hmm. you know in the book you say I now owned a sleeping bag I'd never slept in, cookware I hadn't the slightest clue how to use, a tarp I didn't have the skills to pitch, and a large backpack to stuff it all into. Um, you know people that are, people that have hiked uh, a longer trail like this and and done all this where they buy the gear right right all in one kind of go like this. Um, can you, can you kind of <laughs> talk to the other people maybe that haven't or the people that already have done something like that? Cause this is a big deal um, to, to just be inundated into this world. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I think for me buying expensive gear or buying gear was a way to overcome my fears of going out into the wilderness that this was one variable that I could control. You know, maybe if I have nice gear that, um, Mm. I'd be safer out there in the wilderness. And yeah, I think, you know, it's, it's, it's good to have the gear necessary. Um, but yeah, I also think that, you know, I'm, I'm convinced that if someone shows up to the trailhead at or like at kickoff at the beginning of any of these long trails that they'll be provided for like if if you really don't have the the means necessary to get you just like a decent backpack and some gear that i think i mean i that others would be willing to to help um and really just supply you with whatever whatever it is you need to to make your journey happen um 
Yeah, I don't know if that answers your question, Rudy. <laughs> yeah, man. That, well, the thing about my questions is, is, is you don't have to answer yeah. the right question anyway. But no, it, it definitely uh, covered that for sure. <laughs> um, well, something that you didn't mention in the book, and I'm, I'm kind of wondering if maybe you had any um, media that you fell to, like uh, reading any blogs or watching YouTube's or listening to podcasts before getting ready for the trail, because I know that that's something a lot of people do. Yeah. So. I really didn't know anything about the PCT going into it. And I, I believe it was two months before we left that I started, that I was even told about it. Um, so this was back in 2015. We began the trail in April. And so it was, I guess, March when I first made contact with my friend and yeah, I really didn't do a lot of research. I, I definitely had heard about the movie Wild, or the book rather, and the movie. Um, and I watched that movie on the plane flight over to San Diego. Wow. So that was my first real exposure to the trail. And I intentionally, I don't know, I think it was, it was definitely naive and foolish um, to not do more research, I, I would actually recommend that people do their research before they go into a, things like this. But I don't know. I think I just had kind of a, a mindset that I wanted to leave everything open to my direct experience. And, you know, it's kind of like if you were to, if you were to look up, like, I, I don't know, for me, if I were to go see the Mona Lisa, that I don't know if it would have the same impact on me, just knowing that I already know what that looks like. Um, so I intentionally didn't do a whole lot of research on the trail and just left it open to my direct experience. Um, so yeah, definitely enjoyed that part of it. Nice. Yeah. That's a really interesting take on that for sure. Um, well, uh, you know, you get into kind of getting to the trail and you talk about, uh, you know, somebody helped you out named Bob and, uh, man, I really like how you painted Bob. And I, I don't know if, uh, can you, can you maybe talk first, uh, maybe included him with the answer it did, uh, was your book, uh, kind of verbatim or, or was, did you, did you play with the characters at all? Um, I, I say characters, but you know, it's a book. So I, I guess I'd say that, but, um, you know, was it, was it an a actual, you know, the way it happened or, or was it just kind of the way you remembered it or was it kind of a little bit of both and, and, and then tied in more? Um, it doesn't have to be either way. I'm just kind of curious, but, um, I like what he says. He says, uh, you know, it won't be easy. Um, but the first step is always the hardest and believe it or not, that steps already been taken. And that, mm. that's awesome, man. Yeah, man. Bob was, he was awesome. Uh, and it's Bob Reese for anyone familiar with the PCT. I don't, I don't know if he still does it, but he was a, a trail angel at the beginning of the trail. The, and he shuttled hikers to, to the beginning, to the trailhead. But yeah, I think I really just wanted to, well, first off, to answer your other question too, um, the trail, the book is entirely nonfiction or I'm sorry. Yeah. Yeah. Nonfiction. Gotcha. So I attempted to, yeah, recreate my experience as truthfully as it happened. And the dialogue in particular were, were 
things that I remember those people saying. Um, so yeah, very early on, Bob was a, a huge influence for our journey. And I think it just ties well into, you know, the, the title of the book, which is the trail provides. And I, I just had no idea going into these, these long trails that such a established culture exists around them and that everyone's so loving and open and supportive and wants to help you achieve your, your dreams and your goals. And just, you know, me as a kid showing up in San Diego, not knowing what's next and to be picked up by a, a stranger in a van and then driven to his house and allowed shelter and food and, um, you know, to meet other hikers who are about to embark on the same journey. It was just really, really impactful. And it's a message that I guess I wanted to portray and make obvious um, in the book for, you know, those people who may not be able to experience um, like some six month journey, uh, just so they know that if they did want to go off on their own path, that cultures like this do exist out there in the world. Yeah, I like that. Um, I kind of want to talk a little bit, you know, because you're just kind of getting into this. You're just kind of discovering this this trail. And, and obviously, this is kind of the first person you met, really, that probably has any experience um, around the around the culture, as you mentioned. Um, I kind of want to talk about what were you thinking after talking with Bob and, and kind of he left you with something. And he said, the trail will test you. You'll change, like it or not. It's a journey unlike any other. What was going through your mind after mm. talking with Bob? Who I'd say that Bob just planted a lot of inspiring seeds in, in the minds of me and my hiking partner that that idea that there was going to be change that was awaiting us was uh, both scary and something that I was really, really open to hearing and uh, just resonated with me a lot. I think that, you know, there might be a lot of people out there who are seeking change and who aren't super satisfied with where they're at in life and, you know, even at a personal level, but maybe even at a societal level that maybe that's something that a lot of people can resonate with. And just knowing that change is a, it's inevitable that I think that's, that brings hope, um, to me personally. And yeah, I think it was, it, his words just inspired me and continued to be a, like a driving force. Like he kept coming up. Um, I like, I know that you're familiar with this idea, but when you spend so much time alone with yourself, whether it be like hiking or meditation or just journaling that people come to mind and you begin to see how, how important people are um, in this life and in our experience and the things people say. And so, yeah, I think what Bob said really just stuck with me and has continued to inspire me to this day. 
if Bob's listening, thanks, Bob. That's great, man. Yeah, I hope he is. Uh, you know, because uh, anybody that could play that big of a role in uh, probably a lot of people's lives, uh, you know, they should they should definitely uh, pat themselves on the back and, and and listen in when when those people are talking back at them too, right? Mm, yes. Six Moon Designs uh, picked up a lunar solo tent. Really excited about this. Uh, I want you guys to go over to sixmoondesigns.com. That's uh, all one word, of course, six moon designs. So there's an S on the end there, dot com. Um, I picked up the Lunar Solo, 200 bucks. It's only 26 ounces uh, listed on their, on their website there. Uh, I'm excited about this. I, I fit no problem in this thing. I've always been kind of weary of uh, solo type tents because. Um, I'm a big hiker. I'm, I'm 6'4", very wide, and there's plenty of room. I could easily squeeze one of my kids in there with me, and, and the vestibule is huge, too. If, uh, you know, if you hike with a dog and you've got a pad for the dog, whatever, it could easily sleep under this uh, vestibule with your pack and everything out there, um, boots or whatever you got going on. Um, anyway, yeah, so don't worry about that. It's also uh, – I've always been a little weary of uh, single-wall tents, but this has uh, – you know, sort of the mesh, the the, the mosquito netting, uh, about six inches, and and then six inches of a bathtub floor as well with a with a bottom. So it's sort of like a tarp, but um, it, it sets up as one tent. Anyway, go over there. There's plenty of videos and stuff on the website, sixmoondesigns.com. Talk about um, barefoot. Uh, I would like to say first. Hold on. Uh, <laughs> I'd like to say that this is about the time where I, I quit reading the book, not because I quit. I just didn't, ran out of time. But uh, um, I did find your podcast, Thinking with David, and um, I want to turn people over to that and and please go over and check out some of those episodes, as well, uh, some good stuff over there. I haven't listened to a whole lot yet, but um, episode number 28 in particular I found, um, Brad Bradley Lavelle, who you hiked with, is on that episode, and so I kind of cheated, and I used these next questions are kind of based on that episode, which I would assume comes up in the book, and um, if it does, please reference the book so we can kind of, you know, tell people to go over and, and check that book out, but uh, uh, can you talk about hiking barefoot, and where did that lead you? Yeah, of course I can. Um, well, first off, Rudy, thanks for checking out the podcast, man. That means a lot to me. And I'm glad you enjoyed some of the episodes. And so, yeah, Bradley, um, my hiking partner, he has been on two or three episodes that people can listen to. And I always enjoy having him on. He's one of my best friends. So, yeah, hiking barefoot. This was Bradley's idea. And you know, Brett, like, I guess if you read the book, you can get a good sense of who Bradley is. And especially if you listen to the podcast, but yeah, Bradley is someone who enjoys taking risks and pushing the boundaries of what others might think are, is impossible, including me. And, but in the same note, he inspires me to take those risks and confront my fears. And so hiking barefoot was hiking the PCT barefoot in particular was something Bradley brought up to me in the, the weeks leading up to the hike. And yeah, immediately I thought he was crazy. Like I thought <laughs> I didn't know what to think of it. Um, 
I started like walking barefoot outside. Like, can I even do this? <laughs> and, uh, yeah. So, but for him, I think everyone's at different points in life too. So for him, he had been doing some barefoot hiking in the Patagonias and it's, it seems to be like it's becoming, you know, more and more common or at least minimalist shoe wear. But yeah, this, you know, once Bradley brought this idea to me, I thought he was crazy. And nonetheless, I am very inspired by Bradley and everything he does. So especially at this point in my life when I was open to a new experience. And so, yeah, we, we started the trail barefoot and yeah, I guess it's, it's fine to just let everyone know, but eventually the barefoot process was given up. Um, personally, I went 50 miles barefoot and Bradley went 75 miles barefoot. Um, so yeah, it was, it was a learning experience for me, just knowing that I need to be making kind of my own life decisions. Um, and for Bradley, I think it was also a learning experience for him knowing that, you know, some of these extreme tendencies, uh, got us into a few predicaments along the way. (laughs) <laughs> oh man, that's great. I, I, you know, that, that's just, I don't know. I could, I can only picture, uh, kind of people around you. Um, maybe some people that had already hiked the portions of the trail or whatever. And here they, here you guys are walking barefoot, just like, yeah, this is going to be great. Oh man, it was, yeah, it was a huge mistake. Um, but it definitely, I say mistake, but it definitely plays a, a part you know, it, it, it has its role in the story. Um, well, I can't wait to get to that. I want to, I want to point out too, that, um, that I do plan on finishing the book. I, I, you know, I only stopped because I had, I'd run out of time, but, um, so I can't wait to get there as well. Uh, you know, I just want to point that out to listeners. What about, uh, you know, without giving away too much, can you talk a little bit about how you, how, what you ate changed on the trail? Yeah. How our diet changed on the trail. Is that what you said? Yeah. Yeah. Kind of what you ate, where, where your food came from the whole, you know, um, like I say, without giving away too much, you know, just, uh, how did that change? Oh yeah. Yeah. So our resupply strategy was mostly dictated by what Bradley had planned out for himself, um, leading up to the hike. So it consisted of, I guess a lot of, uh, I guess dry foods, like we had a lot of granola and dry fruits and nuts. And we pretty much ate out of those for most of the day. And we called that our feed bag, (laughs) much like a a horse you'd put on front of a horse, a horse's mouth. We were just chomping away at this feed bag. Um, And I know bars played a big role, oat bars, um, chocolate chip oat bars, things like that, cliff bars. That was a heavy staple of the hiker diet for us and definitely got sick of those really quickly. <laughs> so for those people wanting uh, to do something like this, I'd highly recommend um, variety in diet. Um, but yeah, we also had cooked foods. We brought a stove, so we had pastas and 
beans and things like this. And yeah, I think about halfway through the trail, we, the resupplies ended because, you know, Bradley planning out the trip, he had no idea if we were even going to make it that far. Ah. And so we halfway through the trip, we were out of food and just kind of from there started buying stuff up along the way. Um, you know, on the trail, you do hike from town to town and some of them are bigger than others. Some of them quite small, but we would go to general stores and purchase what they, what we could find and actually relied a lot on hiker boxes, which I don't know how familiar the audience is with those. I'm sure very familiar, but um, yeah, just boxes where hikers donate the food that they don't want to eat or the excess foods that they've included in their resupplies and throw them all in a box. And we definitely relied a lot on those too. So yeah, yeah I would say a hybrid food strategy is uh, what we, what we had. I like the way I like that wording for it, a hybrid style, man. That's good. Um, <laughs> I know some years on the PCT can be um, pretty snow ridden and stuff. And, um, and you guys talked a little bit about it on the podcast and, I'm not sure if you get into your book at all, but uh, was was it a big snow year or or was it just you guys did run into some snow? Oh man, we did not really run into any snow at all, other than in very late in the trail in Oregon and Washington. That back in 2015, this is what they called a drought year, and it was so funny. I I, I live here in Austin and. Just the other day, I was at the gym, and I met uh, a fellow hiker. I think he hiked the trail 2017, and he said it was a, it was quite the snow year for them. But the, in the desert, there was plenty of water, and they were just drinking all up the desert, and nothing, like they had no issues with that. So for us, it was the, it was the flip side. So whereas we, where we didn't have any snow when it came to central California and beyond the Southern desert was, and the Northern desert was a lot to handle for us. So oh, there was yeah. no water, um, or hardly any, there might've been one river that was flowing and like all the water that we obtained and drank during that time was from caches that, um, trail angels spent a lot of time and money and effort into maintaining. And so I think it really even solidified that, that idea that this culture is here to provide for us, um, like really solidly in my mind, really early on. Um, so yeah, very little snow that we encountered, but a lot of sun, a lot of heat and a lot of drought um, was mostly the challenges that we faced. Gotcha. Yeah, that's good. All right. Well, let me just ask you who's in charge, uh, the hiker or the trail? Mm, that's a great question, Rudy. Um, you know, I would say it's a, it's a co-creative effort between the two. Um, you know, I do, I think it takes the hiker to do his job and get out there and, and work and do it to do his best. And 
you know, attempt to make up as much ground as she can. But I do think in the end, it's, it's the trail that has to say whether you even get to walk the path or not. Um, yeah, it's, it's very much a, a co-created um, effort. Man, that's a tough one. What if, what if, have you asked that? To other <laughs> no, um, I was listening to your podcast with Brad and it, and it, I don't know if it was you or him. I couldn't remember just offhand, but um, one of uh-huh. you said it and, and I don't mm. even know if it was even really um, taken from there. It was, it was said at one point and I was just like, wow, that's a good question, man. I got to ask that to David. Cause you know, it's like, man, that, you know, yeah. you, you talked a little bit about your um, expectation that things will just work out, you know? And, uh, and that was kind of the conversation you guys were having and, and it just kind of came up. Man. Well, I'm curious to hear your answer too, because I think that's a, uh, that's a deep philosophical question you've got there. <laughs> and when I think about it, you know, it's a, uh, I'll, I'll get philosophical with it. I think it, you know, it's kind of a question of free will almost, but yeah, I think it's at some level, there are choices being made by the hiker and that, you know, also for the trail, you know, <laughs> there might not be, well, the trail has its own say. Too. What do you think? Well, I think like in my life, uh, you know, for it, it, you had a good point there. You said that it's up to the hiker to be prepared and to to hike. And, you know, so for me, I mean, man, a lot of times I'm just like, I'm not even ready to go on a hike today. You know, I, I talk about this mm-hmm. in some some podcasts before, but, you know, I say at the at the start of every episode, you know, are you on your couch or are you just sitting around, you know, and, and, and it's like, man, sometimes I am. And I'm not ready to go on that hike. And, and, you know, the lazy, the lazy side of me, you know, kind of comes out. And, um, so yeah, I mean, as long as I'm prepared, then yeah, it is completely up to the trail. Uh, after that's in my mind, right. I mean, I think you're right. I think it could be different for everybody. So I'm glad that you asked me because yeah, I don't know. I mean, the trail, if you consider everything into that with the weather, uh, you know, the snow, the food, whatever you're going to come across, you know, that the whole trail provides, you know, uh, really derives from, um, people that are there for you to, to do things. So the people become part of the trail, right? Oh yeah. Well said, man. I really like that. And I think another way to even think about it would be, I think though, you know, the way our Western minds think these days is in dualities, right? Good and evil inside, outside. This is the way we understand life. Um, but it could be that, the trail and the hiker are very much intertwined and and one in the same and that the trail and the path could exist inside the hiker. So Hmm. something to think about. (laughs) Yeah. Well, it's like a, it's like a duopoly, you know, uh, I was, I was listening to a podcast and they they were, uh, I believe it was Freakonomics and he was talking about the uh, duopolies, how you have like uh, Pepsi and Coke, they just own soda and and they kind of want it to stay that way, you know, um, even though they're both making money off of it, they don't want the other one to leave because they kind of feed off of each other. And, uh, so maybe that's, that's what it is. Maybe it's a duopoly. Yeah. I think that we are feeding off of each other, both the hiker and the trail. I think you're, you're onto something there. Well, yeah, I'm supposed to be the one asking the questions here. So, (laughs) (laughs) Um, well, I was curious. Mm -hmm. (laughs) 
Um, what are what are the positives and negatives of staying with one person throughout the trail? Yeah, so the positives are that you have another person to rely on. Um, so Bradley, in our in our tandem, he helped carry a lot of the food. So we were able to split the gear that we ordered and divide up the weight properly. So, you know, it's less work on the two people. Like, for instance, I carried the tarp. He carried some more food. Um, so it does, it does help in regards to the physicalities of the trail, the physical aspects of it. Um, and then, yeah, just having someone's presence there to just be around is, well, I guess that's both an advantage and a, a challenge that, you know, I was very grateful to have Bradley there and, at the same time, you know, if you, if you read the book and anyone who's hiked with anyone, um, I think can attest to this, that tension arises really quickly. Yeah. Well, I say really quickly, but I guess everyone's experience could be different. Um, but for us, you know, spending six months with another person, I'm basically married to the guy at that point. I'm seeing him when I wake up. Um, we're hiking with each other and then we're eating with each other and, you know, sleeping near each other. So, um, yeah, any, any time that we weren't communicating properly with each other that, or really communicating explicitly with each other that problems arose and it required really sitting down with the other person and, figuring out what are your needs, what are your wants, what what's coming up for you right now, how can I help fulfill those needs and reduce your suffering that you're going through right now. Um, so yeah, it's very much a, a blessing and a curse, I guess, to, yeah. to hike with someone else. But I think the same uh, challenges would exist. Um, if you were to hike solo and what I'm, what I mean by that is, you know, if you don't have someone to bounce things off of, well, now you're really, you could be very lonely and that could also be a, a positive aspect of your experience if you're wanting to, to face that. But yeah, it's, it's a game of trade-offs. Um, and so, yeah, I think, that was that was my experience was I was trading off some loneliness and some yeah some possibly some rookie mistakes that I could have made for a little bit of experience and someone that I could learn from yeah I like that um well if you could go back a few years uh, you know without saying that you made any mistakes or, or regretted anything I wouldn't want to say that, but, um, you know, what would you tell yourself before you started this hike? Mm. I would say get, get your inner Bob going on here. Oh man. Bob would have the right answer. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, for me, I would just say, you've got it, man. Like don't, don't stress too much. This, this is just the beginning and 
you know, I, I, I imagine myself then just putting a lot of stake in my self-worth into whether I, I finished the trail and how far I made it. And yeah, just putting a lot of my self-worth into external achievements and still to this day, I, I fall victim to that. I think it's, it's something I'm still working on, but yeah, man, I think for me, I just tell myself that to continue to look inside that, you know, you, you give yourself the worth that you deserve and it's, it's all within us. Um, and so I would just keep pointing my, my historical self inside and, and looking inside his own mind for the answers. Right on. Well, as a, um, I haven't asked this question in a while and, um, I know people tend to like it when I ask it and you are a fellow podcaster, uh, curious mm. to talk about some of the other podcasts that you might listen to other than your own, which I know you listen to. And I, I know you've listened to a couple of my episodes. So what else, what else do you listen to out there? It doesn't have to be hiking related. Oh, I love podcasts, Rudy. I think that's, I'm sure you do too. And that's the reason why we started them in the first place is that it's just such a cool medium. Um, and I guess I don't even need to explain that to the listener who's already listening to podcasts, but <laughs> Yeah, if you guys are looking for some other ones, um, man, it, I, I listen to so many. I really like Joe Rogan's podcast. Um, if you're looking for, if you're looking for something different and just to be open-minded about a variety of different subjects, I think he inspires me a lot. Um, you know, no two guests are the same, and you can find man, any, any field of interest within his podcast. I know he had on, um, Chris Cage, who's the author of, I believe how to hike the Appalachian trail. And so he has a really great podcast with Joe. If, um, any of your listeners want to, to stick within the hiking realms of podcast content. Um, but man, another one that comes to mind is, I guess I'm going to say Duncan Trussell is the other one um, that I'll throw out there. I don't know if you've heard of him, Rudy, but he's a, a comedian and just very much himself. And I really appreciate his authentic way of just being and speaking with others. And I can tell he, he doesn't, he's very articulate, but he doesn't overthink things and he just, he speaks them as they are. And I think that really resonates with me and, you know, the podcasting life and probably with you too, is that, you know, a lot of times we can get stuck in our heads with things and it really, I really look up to how those two guys um, just speak their minds and deliver a high quality content. It's good entertainment and helps me feel like I'm, I'm growing as a person. Yeah. I like that, man. That's real good. Um, I want to give a shout out to uh, a podcast I was on recently that I've, I've listened to all the podcasts and uh, it's come to the table and it's another one of those where it's just like, it really get, kind of gets people thinking and um, it, it just, it allows people to have a discussion without 
necessarily have needing an argument um, be a good way to describe mm. it. Uh, I like that. Um, the other one I listen to a lot that's kind of down the same lines of what you're talking about. So I'd like to bring it up is uh, the Mixed Mental Arts podcast uh, with Brian Callen and uh, Hunter Motts. And anyway, yeah, the, no, uh, I haven't listened to Duncan Trussell other than uh, the episodes he's been on with Rogan or or you know some of the other podcasts I listen to. So yeah, I might have to check his out. So. Right on. Well, can you talk well, I'm about? Oh, to hear yours too. Yeah. Well, yeah. All right. We'll check it out. Um, can you talk a little bit about how people can get a hold of you, where they can find you, and definitely where they can find the book? Oh yeah, of course. Um, the best way to find me is just at thinkingwithdavid.com. That's my blog. That's my website. You'll find all links to this podcast. Um, this one in particular too. You'll, I'll I'll post this up on there and. So readers can find that, but yeah, and I'll have links to the book there. The book's currently available for sale on, on Amazon. If you just search the trail provides, it'll pop up and yeah, just very, very much looking forward to, to sharing this, uh, this discussion with everyone. Right on. And then, um, as far as social media, are you mainly on, uh, are, do you want to point anybody to any type of social media? Oh yeah, so you can find the social media links on my website. Oh, gotcha. Yeah. But I think my my so my uh, my Instagram handle is stay in alive, and there's dots, there's periods in between the stay in and alive, and so that comes from my trail name, um, which readers will soon discover. <laughs> and if you search, uh, I think my Facebook page is Think David Smart. So you can find me on all the social media platforms and um, on the blog in particular um, is where you'll find everything. <laughs> right on. Yeah. Best, best place to go then is, is the website. And, uh, you know, I just want to bring it up again, you know, check out the book for sure. And the podcast, uh, Thinking with David. So right on, man. Thanks for coming on the Cascade Hiker podcast. Rudy, thank you so much. And before you let me go, I just wanted to ask you one question, if that's okay. Maybe. Um, <laughs> I wanted to see if uh, how this podcast was going for you and if, if you've been enjoying it and, and what you've been learning from this experience. Yeah. Are you asking me that because you want to know personally or you want to get it out on an episode? I'd say both. <laughs> okay. Well, yeah. Um, you know, I've, I've said it so many times, I'm almost kind of probably shouldn't even bring it up. It's almost like Rogan says all the time, you know, it's like, well, I shouldn't even talk about that anymore. I talk about it all the time. People get pissed. <laughs> but, uh, you know, I, yeah. I, I started the podcast and, and I continue to uh, feed off of people and no, not knowing what they're going to say, uh, where their where their minds coming from, where they're working from, because we all we all have different ways of thinking. And, um you know, it, it's, it's crazy once you, especially somebody like yourself, uh, before I found your podcast, I had no idea, um, what type of person I was going to talk to. Um, and so sometimes it's fun to just to go in and be like, wow, you know, what, who is this person? Who's David smart, you know? And, um, and so mm -hmm. you, you just find out through conversation, man, that's, that's the oldest way to know somebody in general. And what I would say that, that people probably heard a lot is, is that, uh, you know, it's things that I want to know. So I figure that other people want to know them too. And, and yeah, man, the podcast has been growing ever since. Um, I started, uh, it's been probably about as long since you got off the trail. Um, been over three years now, I think. And, 
wow. yeah, yeah, it's been good. I, I think, uh, I think at some point there was kind of a snowball roll, you know, kind of a lot, a lot of people, a lot more people started picking up and listening once, uh, uh, I don't know, just what you, once you get like a, a grouping of, of episodes to where people could start saying, well, I want to, you know, they can look at your kind of backlog and they could say, I could pick from any of these and then they start just picking and they're like, Oh wait, I, I need to just start from the start and just listen to all of these. Mm-hmm. Or, you know, you know, I'm not saying all mine are good like that, but that's the way I pick it podcasts. And I would assume that once you get a lot uh, going like that, you're just like, okay, cool. It's like, I looked at um, thinking with David and I listened to, I, I actually, the first episode of yours I listened to was episode four, which wasn't even called episode four. It was like your, looking back episode or something and you'd only had two podcasts come out or I can't remember now, but, um, that was the first one I, I, yeah. picked, I picked that one because I'm a podcaster and I knew I was going to be talking to you. And I was like, oh, I kind of want to want to know what his self-talk is. And, um, and so, you know, you kind of pick, pick one or two episodes and start listening. And I went through, um, and I downloaded all of them. So I plan on listening to all yours, uh, because I have a lot of time to listen, but I, I would assume that's the way people do with all podcasts. You start looking and like, okay, well, this one's about, um, you know, an author that has a guidebook in Oregon. Well, that's not going to be for everybody. I liked talking to that person and, you know, you mm-hmm. might get some things out of it, but, uh, but I think people start picking those apart and they start saying, oh, I want to listen to that one, that one, that one, that one, that one. And, uh, you know, pretty soon, you, you know, you got, uh, a lot of people listening and a lot of people giving you feedback and, and it's a lot of fun, man. You get people reaching out and they say, Hey man, I just, just wrote this awesome book. Check it out. And, uh, and I start reading it and it really is good. So, you know, you just, uh, you never know who you're going to meet and who's going to be listening and, and who's going to be, uh, my next guest either. Man, that's so cool. Thank you, Rudy. I really appreciate that. And yeah, you're definitely inspiring me too with just my own podcast journey and, attempting to get outside more i think what you're doing is really really cool and inspirational for a lot of people and just helping them get outside and inspiring them in so many different ways that you probably don't even know so yeah i really appreciate you having me on and looking forward to having you on sometime and reciprocating and yeah chatting with you again soon oh man i love that david i really would um Well, cool. Thanks again for coming on, man. And uh, we'll talk soon. Cheers, Rudy. Thank you so much. All right. That's the show. Thanks so much for tuning in. Don't forget to join the Patreon page. Find me at patreon.com slash Cascade Hiker Podcast. Also, hit me up uh, with an email, Rudy at CascadeHikerPodcast.com. Find me on Facebook. My Facebook page is Cascade Hiker Podcast. Twitter, find me at N underscore Cascade Hiking. And I'm Cascade Hiker Podcast on Instagram. Thanks, Whiskey Fever, for letting me use this track here, Tall Grass, off their album, Gonna Wake Up This Whole Town. Go find them at ReverbNation.com slash Whiskey Fever. Hey, see you next week. You were sweet like honey on a heartbeat. You were fine like wine and sunshine. I could feel you coming on strong. Could never be wrong. Could never be wrong. See you're laying down in the